Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Would you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, I started a sermon series, uh, well, we're really in the middle of it, uh, called uh, Crossroads, where we're looking at decisions that determine our destiny, because there are these decisions uh, from time to time in life that come up that they really, they, they really determine our eternity sometimes, or at the very least, they're going to determine years of our lives, and you're standing at a crossroad, and you can either do it or not do it, go left or right, whatever it may be. If you're not careful, you'll make the wrong decision. Well, we see on the road to the cross, there were people who were facing those exact type decisions. So I want to talk about that today, and I want to preach on this subject, seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. Here's what I'm talking about today. I want each and every one of us in this building to seize the Christian life. Like there is before us today an opportunity to live for Jesus, to to love Jesus, to make a difference with our lives. And too many times we let it go. So let's talk about that a little bit this morning. I I, um, I read about a research paper this week, a guy named Ira Hyman, who's an American psychology professor at Western Washington University. They they have written a paper on something called inattentional blindness. Inattentional blindness. Here's what they mean by that. That you can be walking down the street and you can register an object enough to move around it, but not even be aware of what you moved around. For example, they could put a tree in your path that's new and you would walk around it, but you would not even know that you've gone around a tree. And so they decided to take a tree and on this walkway and they hung it over a walking path and just to see how blind people really were, they hung money from the tree. And so literally, people on this sidewalk were walking by a money tree. As a matter of fact, I have a picture of it for you right here. And it, you're not seeing all the tree. There are branches over here that are extending over it. And uh, that, that's one of the pictures they took of the money tree. They observed over a two-week period, 396 people who walked by the tree. Now, of the 396 people who walked by the tree, 12 of them walked into the tree. Like, I know, the, I know those people, right? Do you know those people? Like, like you, you, one of your kids may be that way. They're the kid that walks into the tree. You know what I'm saying? Did any of you have a kid? Our oldest daughter was this way. Did any of you have a kid that always in a parking lot walks into the side mirrors on cars? Did any of y'all have one of those kids? And they always have a knot right here in the middle of her head. Yeah, yeah, they always have a knot right here in the middle of their head. And so there were 12 of those. 384 people walked by this money tree. Now, they let you take the money. You could, you could get the money if you wanted it. Uh, they were just in a research project. And so 384 people did not walk into the tree, but 384 people, get this, walked around the tree. They got out of the way. Of people that were on their phones, only 6% even noticed the money tree. Of people who were not on their phones, only 20% noticed 
the money tree. Let me flip that number on its head. 94% of the people on their phone got out of the way of a tree full of money and never noticed the money. 80% of the people not on their phone walked out of the way of a money tree, 80%, and did not notice the money. You say, well, I noticed that there was a money tree. Maybe not. Because the majority of us have inattentional blindness. We walk right past an opportunity and never see it. Can I tell you that we're often that way in the Christian life as well? We have this inintentional blindness in the Christian life. And here's what we do. We, we kind of get used to the things of God. And so we get used to church and we're just checking Sundays off a list. And we get used to sermons and here he is preaching another one. We get used to music and worship and we get used to being uh, told to be a witness or to invite somebody to church. We get used to uh, Bibles and we, we've got Bibles all over our house and don't know where they are. And we get we get used to knowing we should pray and we get used to knowing we should serve that we walk right by those opportunities and, and we don't make a difference and, and we don't seize the opportunity. No, look, I just, I'm going to talk a lot about where the rubber meets the road today, but we're, we're right here in the middle of Easter preparation, the biggest Sunday on, on the calendar every year. It's when more people far from God will come to church than any other time of the year. Here we are on Easter. And this is my third Easter really with y'all. It's my fourth, but the first one I just barely had arrived. It's really my third one. And so we've kind of done things the same way and invite cards and mugs and t-shirts. And I mean, we flew a plane over the building one day for goodness sake. Y'all, I mean, y'all remember the plane? Yeah, going over the building? Yeah. But here, here, here we are again talking about Easter. Serve one, work one, t-shirt, mug. And we get so used to the things of God, we get inintentional blindness. And what I want to do today is challenge you not to do that, but to seize the opportunity. To seize the opportunities that are right in front of you, because here's what Jesus told his disciples. Could you not have watched with me? The word watch means to be ready or to be on guard or be alert. And here's the truth. You are standing here today at a crossroad in your life to see if you're going to take advantage of the opportunity of the Christian life that God has laid before you. Because we're not careful. We just kind of live life the same old, same old way, day in and day out. We never seize the opportunity of the Christian life. Just like the guys in our story. I want to show you today. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading it? Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse number 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. Now the two sons of Zebedee were James and John. So it's just easier for me to say Peter, James, and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray. Lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
And again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, oh, my father, this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it. Your will be done. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The son of man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, just to kind of set the stage for where we are, let me, let me just very briefly tell you that we, we've celebrated the Passover. Jesus has predicted the denial of Peter and the desertion of the disciples. He knows the cross is looming. Man, I, I, I'm trying to uh, save a little time this morning, but th- there was so much pain Jesus was already starting to be in. The physical pain is looming on the horizon. Just so you know, Jesus was tortured beyond belief. We see pictures of Jesus hanging on the cross with blood trickling out of his palms, his feet, and his brow. That's not it was. They had shredded the body of Jesus. The Bible tells us, Isaiah tells us, so that he was barely recognizable as a human being when he's hanging on the cross. And and that physical pain is just around the corner and he knows it. There's emotional pain that's coming that that he's about to leave his his family. He's about to leave his mother. He's about to leave his disciples and he's poured his life into them. And then there's the spiritual pain, which is indescribable. Uh, There's no way for me or you to understand the physical pain. Uh, There's no way to even describe what's happening. But understand there in the Garden of Gethsemane and, and there on the cross of Calvary, the Father placed all of the sins of the entire world on Jesus. He was the sacrifice. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever, and be honest, don't be spiritual. How many of you ever, if you be honest, you've been talking bad about somebody to somebody else? And then the person you're talking bad about walks around the corner. You had that happen to you, and you know that sinking feeling you get in your heart. How many of you have ever done that? Let me see here. Be honest with people right with God this morning. Be honest. <laughs> You've done it. And you know, you're probably talking about me. I know what you're doing. You're afraid to raise your hand. You're talking about me. And uh, uh, I can hear the conversation now. That preacher's so good looking, man. He is so good looking. It's awkward when I walk in the corner. I get it. But you know the, you know the guilt you get uh, when you do that? You know the, the heaviness that's on your heart? That's one thing you did wrong. Now imagine the sin from Adam to the last sin that will ever be committed by anyone before Jesus comes again. They were all placed on Christ at Calvary. The spiritual pain, the guilt from a man who had never experienced guilt because he had never sinned in his life, that, that physical, spiritual, emotional pain is all placed on Jesus. And so with that weight on his shoulders, he wants to spend some time in prayer. You remember it's, it's in the Garden of Gethsemane that he prays and his sweat became great drops of blood. Dr. Chad Smith, after the early service, said the, dev- the, the medical term for that is hemohydrosis. It's sweating. It's under such stress. It's under such pressure that your sweat turns into blood. And so Jesus takes all 11 disciples. Judas is betraying him. He takes all 11 disciples. And he leaves eight uh, kind of a farther difference, distance away. And he takes Peter, James, and John. And he takes them into a close proximity of his prayer. And there they have the opportunity. They have, the, they have the, a moment in time, a crossroads, where they could have seized the opportunity of a lifetime. 
but yet they let it go past them. So let me, let me take that moment. Let me take that, that garden of Gethsemane. Let me take the disciples who are asleep three different times. Let me point out some things that we need to hear today. Number one is this. You need to know this. You have an invitation for participation. Look what he said in verse 37. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Now, we're in the final moments of, with his disciples. He's going to pray. He takes all eight and he, he takes these three closer. And look, here's what the Bible verse tells us. He is visibly brokenhearted. He is visibly distressed. And he takes these three uh, close to where he's going to pray. And he says, can you do one thing for me? Can you pray with me? Can you watch with me? Here in the final moments of his life where he's obviously broken, he's obviously distressed, he's obviously under such agony, he invites three people to participate with him. He invites three of his friends to help him, to be by his side, to pray with him, to actually be there as he prays and to support him during the the most wonderful prayers we ever have recorded in the scripture. And can I tell you this, that Garden of Gethsemane prayer was in all probability the most intimate moment between heaven and earth that we'll ever see. It's where the father knows he's about to give up his son. It's where the son knows he's about to give his life to the father. There is a moment of intimacy there between heaven and earth. A moment of communion between heaven and earth. And the most amazing thing ever, Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to participate. He gave them an invitation to participate in the greatest, most intimate moment between between heaven and earth we'll ever see. Can I stop right there and say this, that here's what you need to know today, that Jesus did not come to do all the kingdom work for us. That Jesus came so that we could be part of the kingdom work, so that we could participate in the kingdom work. Now, here's what that means. If you're here today and you're unsaved, you have an invitation to participate in the kingdom of God, that Jesus died for you, that Jesus gave his life for you, that Jesus loves you, and his invitation to you today is trust him and be saved. If you're here today and you're not saved, and you are saved, you have an invitation for intimacy. An invitation to be part of what God is doing. He invited the disciples to be part of what he was doing. Why would he? Jesus doesn't have to have us for his kingdom. Jesus doesn't have to have us to get the job done. Jesus could do it without us, but he has chosen to use us. Why? Because Jesus doesn't want to do the kingdom of God to us. Jesus wants to do the kingdom of God with us. The kingdom of God is designed that we work together with God. Get this. God doesn't need the help. He wants the relationship. God didn't need the help in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wanted the relationship. And here's what you've got to understand today. God has placed before all of us an opportunity. Seize the opportunity. You have an invitation for participation in the kingdom of God. Not because God's kingdom can't go on without you or me. Not because he needs the help. But because he wants the relationship. I told you, I was in second grade, man. I was kind of a rough second grader. I was never mean. I just, I just, I couldn't be quiet. You, you know, you got a kid like that. I just had this tendency to, um, if somebody dared me do something, I just couldn't say no. It's hard for a second grader to say no. And second grade is the, 
I've told you before, I, I got a paddling every day in second grade. And I know people always say, well, really, how, much, how often did you get a paddling? I, don't, I, don't, I can't be clear. Every single day. That's not metaphorically. It got to where she just paddled me on the way in. Just get it over with. Can I, I just walk in, bend over, and can we get it over with? My second grade teacher did this interesting thing. She uh, had this little box, and I don't really know how to describe it, but imagine a, a cardboard box that had no top on it, and it was, like a, it was like a study box. And here's what she'd do. She'd have helpers that would come up and help other students who need help in a certain subject. And so, so she'd take a helper, and, and she'd put the helper for the day in the box, and she would say, well, now, who needs help with math? Well, I didn't need help. I, I was a good student, mostly a straight-A student. I was just a little rambunctious, and so I didn't ever need to help. I didn't want to help anybody, but I didn't ever need to help in the box. And so I, I never said anything until one day. The second grade girl I had a crush on was the box helper. I don't know, that's not the right word, but the box helper that day. And my teacher said, does anybody need help with math? She's like, Joel, you need help? I said, I, I am so dumb. I don't understand. You paddle me every day. How bright can I be? I mean, I don't know. Two plus two, and, and she's like, well, I, I, if you need to, get in the box. And so I, 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 got, I, got, I got to get in the box with the second grade girl I was in love with, and I'd been chasing her all second grade. Now I didn't have to, when I, and chasing is not metaphorical either. It's go to the playground, chase a girl. And so I'd been chasing her, and I didn't even have to chase anymore. I'm locked up in a box with her, and she's trying to tell me math. I don't care about two plus two. I'm smelling her hair like a serial killer would do, you know. Like, <sighs> I didn't need any help with math. I got math. I know two plus two is five all day long. I got math. But there was an opportunity for intimacy. I didn't need the help. I wanted the relationship. And can I tell you this morning that God can do kingdom work without you and God can do the kingdom work without me? Did you know the kingdom of God was fine before you came along? It'll be fine after you're gone. And it was fine before I came along. It'll be fine after I'm gone. God doesn't want us. He doesn't, God doesn't need us. He wants us. You have an opportunity to participate, not because God needs the help. Hear me. The, the, the invitation is for a relationship with God. Notice how, what he says in the scripture. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, we are God's fellow workers. Man, I love that. Notice what he said in Mark 16. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Not because he had to have them. He wanted to do it with them. Then you get over to 2 Corinthians 6. We then as workers together, say it with me. With him, with him. God wants to work along beside us. God wants you working with him as well. You have an opportunity, an invitation to participate. That means quit walking by the kingdom of God and not seeing the opportunity. Quit walking by the kingdom of God and not seeing the invitation. Hey, pay attention at church. God wants to work with you at church. Pay attention to the sermon. God's trying to use the spirit of God and speak to your heart. Look for the place to give. Look for the place to serve. Look for an opportunity to make a difference. You have an invitation to participate. 
Peter, James, and John had an invitation for a divine moment. But let's not judge them too quickly because you have the same one. There are witnesses looking down from heaven and looking at us and saying, why in the world aren't they giving their life and seizing the opportunity for the Christian life? Second thing we learned from these Peter, James, and John is don't let your can't do stop your can do. The Bible says he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Now, here, here's, what, here's what I mean by that. Jesus has gone into the garden to pray. He's asked the disciples to watch and pray with him. Verse 38, he said, stay here and watch with me. And he's going to pray what is the most agonizing prayer. By the way, he talks about the cup. The cup that he talks about is the cup of the wrath of God. That if you're a believer, get this, you will never, ever experience the wrath of God. But if you're here today and unsaved and you die in that condition, for all of eternity, you will experience the wrath of God. Well, what Jesus did for us was he was our intercessor and he experienced the wrath of God on our behalf. That's what Calvary was. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he got a foretaste of the wrath of God. It was the cup of the wrath of God. It was a foretaste of the anguish that would come. It's so, it's so, it's so strenuous. He sweats blood. He's so physically weak that we're told that an angel had to come and physically strengthen him. He's agonizing all night long in prayer, all night long. And what were the disciples doing? Sound asleep. Not once, three different times. And Jesus went back to them and notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, could you not have sat up all night long with me in prayer? He wasn't even looking for all night long. Jesus said this, could you not at least have given me an hour? He was not asking them for a standard they could not perform. As a matter of fact, get creative. They could have prayed in shifts. Peter could have said, all right, James and John, y'all stay here, sleep an hour. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to place my arm around Jesus while he prays. And I'm going I'm to pray with Jesus. I'm going to grieve with Jesus. I'm going to hurt with Jesus. When I get sleepy, uh, John, I'll come back and wake you up. And John, you do it for an hour. And John, when you get tired, James, you do it. I mean, there's all kinds of ideas they could have done. Jesus didn't say, could you not pray with me all night? I was asking for an hour. But here's what happened. They were too tired, too exhausted, too weak to stay up all night. And they let what they couldn't do stop them from what they could do. We, we don't even have record of them praying for five minutes. We have no record after Jesus said, are y'all asleep? I'm going to go back and pray some more. Could you pray with me? We don't have record. We don't have recorded a five-minute prayer. Trust me, if they'd prayed five minutes, they would have told the rest of the disciples, well, we prayed for five minutes. Because the story as it is, is horrible. But they didn't. They let what they couldn't do, pray all night with Jesus, stop them from what they could do, pray for an hour with Jesus. And I can tell you, I'm afraid what happens to many Christians is that we're standing at a crossroad with God asking us to live for him, serve for him, seize the opportunity. You know what we do? We get the enormity of the task in front of us and we let what we can't do Stop us from what we can do. Well, Lord, I, I'm never going to be a preacher. God's not even asking you that. Lord, I can't sing. God's not asking you to sing. 
Lord, I can't do this. And so what we wind up doing is shutting down in the Christian life. Instead of getting stressed out by what you can't do, what you ought to do is get fired up about what you can do. I went to, uh, uh, you know, big Braves fan. And, and, and so uh, uh, Braves season started off pretty, pretty badly. Uh, this they 0-3, lost to Philadelphia. It's cold up there. And it's kind of a shell shock. Then we come back down, and if you don't know, if you're new to us, my wife and I always try to go to opening day at SunTrust Park. So we went to opening day at SunTrust Park on Monday, and we make a whole day out of it. I take a vacation day. I mean, like, I'm going all day long. We have fun. We're, we're in the stadium early, 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 and just enjoying it. And uh, uh, so I'm there. And by the way, the Braves won eight to nothing while I was there. And so it, it was obviously all me. <laughs> I was there. But I, I'm, I'm kind of a... I'm kind of a baseball nerd. Like, I get too wrapped up in all that. By the time I get to the stadium, I know the stats. I know the rumors going on with the Braves. I can stress myself out about a ball game. As a matter of fact, my, I'll get quiet sometimes at a ball game. My wife, like, she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, hey, uh, Freeman's only batting 176 against left-handed pitchers this year who throw breaking balls and sliders. Like, I'm too wrapped up into this. And if you don't even know what I said, trust me, you don't need to know. I shouldn't even know what I just said. <laughs> I'll get quiet. But you know the thing about a baseball game is to win a major league baseball game is a big deal. And I know there are a lot of, a lot of people out there who don't like baseball, 162 games. I get it. It's too much. But I mean, it's a big deal to win a baseball game. It takes so much going right. But you know, if you're a pitcher, all you can do to win a baseball game is what? Pitch. If you're a hitter, you know what you can do? Hit. If you're a fielder, you know what you can do? You, you can field. If I'm a fan... I, I can I can even help. That that's me. That's my tomahawk right there at the very top. I can chop, right? I, I can chop. That's the I always like to video the first tomahawk chop of the season. That is the first tomahawk chop of the season. I chopped. I did my part. I can't pitch field or hit, but I can chop. You know what else I can do? I can go buy a hot dog. You say, why does a hot dog help? It gives them more money to sign more players when I buy hot dogs. So, man, I contribute to the cause. And hot dogs and hamburgers and nachos, I do it all. Not because I want that food, but because I'm trying to help the Braves and do my part. It's got nothing about the food. It's about me trying to help. I can show up and be overwhelmed by the enormity of the task. And what I can't do like pitch relief out of the bullpen. But what I'll do is work on what I can do. And chop. I'm by a hot dog. Hamburger, nachos, Diet Coke. <laughs> and I'm afraid in the Christian life we get so bogged down by the enormity of the task and what we cannot do that we let our cannot do stop us from our can do. And the disciples maybe could not have prayed all night long, but they could have prayed an hour. Now, let me put that where the rubber meets the road. You may not have time for an in-depth Bible study every day of your life, but you can read a proverb a day. You, you, may, not have time, you may not have $100,000 to put in the offering plate when it goes by, but you can tithe. You may not have an hour a day right now where you can pray, but you can wear a Peavine City bracelet and pray 15 minutes a day. You, you may not can fill every hole on, we have on Sundays, but you can greet and you can serve and you help with kids. And Lord knows we need preschool help. Babies are coming faster and we can keep up with them around the place. You may not win everybody to Jesus. You, you know what you can do? 
You can hand out invitation cards, put up a yard sign, buy a mug, get a t-shirt. You can send a text and do all of that for the glory of God. Listen, you, you may not can be the best husband and wife or wife tomorrow, but you can be a better one today. Don't let what you can't do stop you from what you can do. Show you the third thing we learn, and that's this. Everybody wants to. Only a few will do. Now, I've modified verse 41. Look, look up here at the screen with me. I've just inserted a couple words so you understand it. Jesus said, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing. That's the want to. But the flesh is weak. That's the will do. The spirit has all the want to in the world. The Greek word for willing means zealous and and full of energy and ready to go. But the flesh is weak. That is the will do part. The want to, man, we got it. The will do, not so good. And the word weak there, the best definition in the Greek means sickly. So your want to is full of life and energy. Your will do is so sick. Here's what I know about the Christian life. You want to do right. You want to serve God. You want to watch with Jesus. You want to seize the Christian life. You want to do all of those things, but will do rears its ugly head. You say, well, preacher, I don't, I, I don't have the power to live the Christian life the way you're talking about it. And boy, I'm going to have to disagree with you because here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 3. Now, in him does, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think get this according to the power that works in us the power that works in us you have all of the power you need to do it we sit around listen i'll be honest hey close your bibles and and let me finish i'm gonna preach in a hurry but listen to me carefully we sit around and talk about all we do for jesus if hey see if this sounds familiar if only we had the time We've only had more time, preacher. Can I tell you this? You're never going to get but 24 hours in a day, but we all get the same 24 hours. Well, I'd give if I only had more money. If only I had more energy. If only I had more freedom. If only I didn't have my past. If only I had better ability. Listen, everybody has the want. But you have the will do. I was, I was traveling this week. I'm finished. I was traveling this week and I was in Detroit as a matter of fact, I went to that ball game at 1 o'clock on, uh, I mean, uh, on Monday. I got in bed 1 o'clock Monday night or, or Tuesday morning, 1 a.m., and I had to get up at 5 a.m. and catch a plane to Detroit and be on stage speaking at noon on Tuesday. So when I travel, I tend to eat poorly. I tend to put on a little bit of weight when I travel. And so when I was coming back and I was having to eat airport a couple times, I said to myself, you need to eat healthy. And healthy, we know what that means, Right? Baked chicken, vegetable, glass of water. So I did a couple of meals in the airport on the way back. and I sat down at my table. And my want to ordered baked chicken, vegetables, and water. But praise God, when I opened my prayer, my eyes for my prayer, it's a miracle. 
There was chips and salsa and buffalo chicken on my table in the back. Oh, praise God. It's a miracle. It's a four loaves and two fishes. I, Somehow I ordered baked chicken and a vegetable and chips and salsa and buffalo chicken and a Diet Coke. All glory to God. <laughs> Not to have a Pentecostal spell right there. God took the... <laughs> no. I wanted to order. My want to said baked chicken, vegetables, water. My will-do ordered chips and salsa, buffalo chicken, and a Diet Coke. I had the power. I just didn't do it. Can I tell you, we have the want-to when it comes to reading our Bibles. We have the want-to when it comes to praying. We have the want-to when it comes to tithing, when it comes to serving, when it comes to living holy, when it comes to inviting people to church, when it comes to advertising Easter and, and, and praying for people. So, preacher, this, this, this point's leaving us a little depressed. Well, hold on, hold on. Here, I'm, I'm saying all that to get to this. Your, your want to always outpaces your will do. Did you know that? Your want to always stays in front of your will do, always. That's why your want to has to be out there. You say, well, how do I, how do I get my want to to catch up with my, or my will do to catch up with my want to? Don't get this. This is not revolutionary, but it changed your Christian life. Here it is. Take the first step you say well that's not no it's, listen do the first thing so many of you in the room want to get up and read your bibles every morning you say preacher i just i start thinking about everything i got to do today and i got to think about everything i got no, no, let me don't worry about all that here's what you do you want to read your bible in the morning set your alarm clock put it across the room from you and force yourself to get up and walk somewhere to read your bible you want to pray early in the morning? That's great. And so many people say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up and pray an hour in the morning. Eh, you probably not. First time I decided I was going to pray, I got down on my knees. I was a, in my early 20s. I prayed for everybody. I prayed for everything. I prayed for Jesus to come. I prayed for Jesus not to come. I mean, I, I covered it all. Looked down, I prayed seven minutes. So an hour could be aggressive, but you, you want to pray in the morning? Let me tell you what to do. Make a list tonight. Set your alarm clock across the side of the bed. Hey, you want to tithe? So many here, I hear Christians all the time, preacher, I'd like to tithe. Well, how do I do that? Man, I start looking at how much money. Don't look at how much money that is a year. Don't look at how, here's, he said, how do I tithe? Here's what you do. Write your tithe out before you get your paycheck. Now, don't give it to us then, but write it out then. You want to invite somebody to church? Do the first thing. Leave with an invite card. Leave with a coffee mug. Leave having downloaded the, the, the invite card on your phone. You want to serve God? Man, we, we got it on an app. You, you can serve God on Easter if you just sign up on an app. Your want to, get this, I love this. Your want to thinks really big, but your will do needs to start small. Your want to is conquering the world. Your will do needs to set the alarm clock. And that's how you seize the Christian life. You have an invitation to participate, not because God needs you, but because God wants to be in relationship with you. Don't let the enormity of the task slow you down. Don't let your what you can't do stop you from what you can do. And listen, everybody's got all the want to in the world, but only a few will do it. And so here's what you need to do. Take the first step.
Would you stand with me across the room? Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, nobody looking around. Listen, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, I talked about it early on. You have an invitation from God to have your sins forgiven, heaven as your home, your eternity secure. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit you're a sinner and can't save yourself. B, believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again the third day. And C, confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can do that today. Matter of fact, if you'd like to be saved, I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Out loud or in your heart. But if you'd like to trust Jesus, you can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and can't save myself. But I know Christ died on the cross for my sins and rose again the third day. And so just now, I confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Ask him to come into my life and to save me. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a home in heaven. This morning, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to give you several. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.